Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. How was everybody's weekend? How did your uh, battle with your uh, head cold go? Uh, I got ahead of it. You did? Yeah. Good, good. Did all good. right. Uh, the Friday was not fun. Saturday, not so much either. But uh, but started to feel better Saturday evening. Good to hear. Yeah. All righty. Yeah, right back at it. But you? Uh, yeah, pretty busy weekend, actually. Uh, Friday night, the lovely Maria and I went and saw Barbie. Oh. Yeah, finally took it in, and it was... Oh, you were looking at Ken, though. Uh, the whole time. I right. look like Ken. <laughs> I am a eunuch, after all. Did you enjoy? Uh, it was fine. It was just fine. Right. I, I was a little disappointed because I, I've heard so many great things. The cinematography was very impressive. That looked pretty cool. And just the way they made their arms and hands move really did look like they were dolls at times, which was cool. Uh, you know, it's supposed to be very much a feminist movie, and I get that, but I don't, I don't think they even seem to really push that. It was all kind of just flat. Like it just, it, you know, sometimes when you hear about something being great, you think, well, cause I'm going to hear something new, a different take on something, a different angle. Okay. Which is really all about girl power, which we all know is something that's positive and true and right. right. And, so I don't know. It was just kind of eh. Even Did it have much of a point? Yeah, just the Barbie was kind of, she was living in this Barbie world that was all fake and everything. And then she basically realized what the real world was like. Right. And she wanted to feel all of that. Gotcha. That was the basic drill. America Ferrara, 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 she was in it. And the only real kind of passionate moment was a speech she gave. About being a woman and all the the tough stuff that comes with that. So it was fine. It was mm. just fine. And uh, then on Saturday, we did the hop on, hop off. Oh, that's bus right. Thing, which cost an absolute fortune. <laughs> and I wanted to hop off the bus while it was moving. Wait, wait a minute. The, like the bus itself cost? Like the tickets to get on it. Oh, it's, it's, I thought you'd already bought them. No, I bought them Friday. We finally all agreed because it was eight of us going. Okay. So, you know, just getting everybody organized. We had some coming from like Hamilton and then, you know, the kids who's coming in from where, what time are we meeting? So that right. was a big part of my Friday is organizing all of that. And so uh, I finally went online to order the tickets and they were like 49 bucks each. All right. Fine, that's fine. But it's in U.S. dollars. In U.S.? Because the company, I guess, that runs it all is based out of the States. Oh. So it came to $67 a person. Ouch. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, when when we go traveling, Mm. we are the tourists, Mm -hmm. and we pay tourist prices Mm -hmm. for things. So I I suppose you just, you know, got caught with the tourist price of it, and they probably don't have a local price for no, these tours. probably not. And, and look, we were on the thing for like three hours. So, you know, and it was, it was fine. It was fun. We sat up top. It was a gorgeous day. Mm. It's just when you go to uh, London or New York or Chicago or pick a city, and you go on those bus tours, first of all, you're in vacation mode. Right. And so, and it's all new. So it is kind of cool to see all this different stuff. It was kind of just like I was in a bigger version of my car. Like I've seen all of this stuff. <laughs> they didn't. You didn't learn anything. Well, I, I learned a few things, okay. and I learned that uh, one of the things I learned is that the young lady, God bless her, who was doing the tour, really needs to do her research a little more. Because okay. <laughs> when you know more than what she knows, so a couple of mistakes she made, uh, and these, you know, 
the trivial little things. And she, so we passed the Rogers Center, and of course there's a, there's a game on that day, so it's very busy and hectic around this. And a big round of applause to this bus driver, how he weaves that thing up and down Yorkville. And I said when I was last downtown, and with all the construction going yeah. on, the Queen shut down, it was a nightmare. Yeah. And I looked at this dude like driving this thing around, all these cones going. Wow, how the hell do you do that? It's very good. And just getting across Harbor Front, because it was very busy there Saturday, and then back up Young, that took about 45 minutes just to kind of get back up to Front and, right. and Young. It was nuts. Anyhow, uh, we, we passed the Rogers Center, and I'm the idiot on the bus going, where's the CN Tower? I can't see the tower. <laughs> Somebody point me in the direction of the tower. And uh, she says, the Rogers Center is home to Canada's only national baseball team, the Toronto Blue Jays, a part of the, what did she call it, the BMO. Instead of MLB, oh. she got the letters wrong. And oh. I don't even know where the hell she got MBO from. Right. Uh, we let that go. Right. And then uh, at another point. Major League Baseball organization. Okay. Maybe, yeah. Well, again, maybe she probably doesn't even, she's got notes that someone's yeah. just handed her, right? Right. Then we passed, I want to say, the uh, one of the IMAX theaters in the entertainment district. And she says, this building, the Scotiabank something or the the light box, oh, whatever. TIFF, light box. Yeah. yeah. Is the home of the first IMAX screen ever in Toronto. And I'm like, not really. It was kind of in the Ontario Place ball forever yeah. from the time I was a kid. They hosted Rolling Stones at the Max right. on that thing back in the 80s. So mm-hmm. she got that wrong. You didn't grab the mic from her and start uh, giving no. the tour yourself? No, but David, my youngest, was very funny. He was <laughs> entertaining everybody because he lives right downtown. So he's like, and this part of church is where my friend shat himself the entire <laughs> way after getting food poisoning. And over here is where a homeless guy punched me in the face while I was carrying my dog. So that was kind of fun. And uh, I did learn this, though. I, I did not know this. You know, at the Rogers Center, in the one corner that faces a front street, there is uh, statues of fans yes. built into the corner. The golden ones. So, yeah. They're just random fans at a Blue Jay game, except two of them. Two of them are of a kid and his dad. And the kid is up above his dad with a baseball glove on. Okay. It's Wayne Gretzky and his father. What? Yeah. Supposedly, I guess, they took in a lot of Jay's games. They were big fans. And though the, the child and the dad in that statue is Wayne and his dad. Really? Yeah. Now, whether she got that wrong, and it's, <laughs> it's actually, you know, I don't know. Daryl Sittler and his uncle. It's Wayne Gretzky playing yeah. the HLL. Yeah. Right. So we did a lot of circles. We, we didn't get off. We just said, oh, we'll stay on the bus because you, cause you can hop on and hop off. That's the drill. Um, so Probably saw, a good thing for your wallet when you hop off yeah, and hop back on. Especially in Yorkville. And then we did by, you know, Casa Loma. I learned how, you know, the one guy built it and it went way over budget. It was his home for him and his wife. And mm-hmm. I forget his name now. But uh it was drawing so much hydro that the city of Toronto said, nope, we're cutting you off. So he had built this mansion. And it had no hydro in it because the city of Toronto wouldn't feed it to him anymore. Really? Back in the whenever the hell he built it, 18 something, probably, or 19, early 19 or something like that. I don't know. I nodded off. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is, on top of that bus, you got to be careful. You can lose your head because we've got some low level bridges and a lot of hanging trees. You got to get out there and trim them trees. You literally oh, had to duck as you went. Really? Yeah. The branches were. 
I thought they'd stop and have you do some repairs to the gardener as you were <laughs> underneath it. Okay. And of course, every time she said, "Keep your hands in, don't touch the bridge," I did the roller coaster thing. Yeah, it's fun. Then we uh, then we went to some uh, the beer market or something and uh, spent as much there as we did on the. Uh, on the bus ride. But no, it was no. a fun little Saturday, you know. But, yeah, you just realize this is kind of your backyard, and you see it all the time. So you're really not that impressed with anything. Right. I miss the CN Tower, though. I never saw it. You know, when I sit back and fondly think of the uh, the time Mike Babcock was head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets, I'm trying to think of what my biggest highlight was for me. Because, you know, in those eight weeks... He accomplished a lot. <laughs> I um I wonder if with Mike Babcock, remember there was uh, it was a period of time where Wayne Gretzky. I don't know if this is true or not anymore, but there was a period of time where he would sign any Edmonton Oilers paraphernalia or L.A. Kings or New York Rangers, but would not sign any St. Louis Blues stuff. Mm. I wonder in the Mike ba- Babcock autobiography, it'll be Detroit Red Wings, Toronto Maple Leafs. Saskatoon Farm League, <laughs> and then back to Michigan to retire. Like there will be no Columbus mention. Not right. there's much to mention. No, there's not not much at all. He didn't even make it through the rookie tournament. Wow, he didn't make it to training camp. Got to be some record set. Like I'm sure coaches get fired quickly all the time during regular season, but to be fired? Well, he wasn't fired technically. He quit. But I'm sure when you quit, they kind of tell you, it'd be best if you resign. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I gotta tell you, when I, when I heard the news yesterday, I was quite surprised. Just given how it all played out in the sense that, um, you know, these allegations came forward, Paul Bissonnette and, uh, and, and Spittin' Chicklets on their podcast started this less than a week ago saying that, you know, the reports are that he had, been asking players and Blue Jackets meetings to see their phones and projecting it up onto a screen in in his office. I, it didn't sound like it was, it was projected for all in the team to see. Mm. It just it seemed kind of weird. So would it be like a a photo of a guy at a cottage with his buddies and Babcock would say, "Looks like you're drinking a lot of beer and eating sausages." Well. Uh, I don't know the reasoning behind it. We can't know that. That's never been, those details haven't been released. But mm. a couple of the players, veteran players, Boone Jenner being the captain, who came out to say, you know, those allegations are, are grossly, you know, misrepresented, mm. uh, that he asked uh, about his family and, uh, his upcoming wedding and, and asked to see some pictures of his family and, and to get to know him better. And that was seconded by Johnny Gaudreau, another veteran of the league, uh, who kind of said the same thing. It was, it was nothing and pretty simple, but the NHLPA got involved in this mm. because there's a players association, the union, uh, and they sent their top dogs to go just ask some questions and investigate. And I guess in talking to some of the younger players, at least one came forward to say, yeah, I wasn't all that comfortable with this. And perhaps he looked at more than I intended him to mm. when, you know, looking at that's, that's one of those things when someone, you, you, you're always worried when you give someone your phone, uh, not necessarily worried, but it's, it's a weird, Kind of position when you give someone your phone to look at a picture and they start rifling through other ones. Oh, listen, I think both you and I, most of the photos in our phone are pretty vanilla, but there's probably the odd one in there that you really would rather people not see for one reason or another. Now, and there's the thing too. Look, I think from, from a, 
from a get-to-know-you standpoint, the idea of I was a manager of any sort and I was hiring somebody and I said, hey, look, you know, you got the gig now. We're going to be working day-to-day together here. It'll be nice to get to know you and a, a picture's worth a thousand words. Why don't you pick out some photos from your phone and show me about your hobbies and interests and yeah. your family? And then you could sit there very comfortably and go, okay, well, that uh, that dick pic I'm not sharing. But right. uh, I'll, here's, here's me on a motorcycle. <laughs> I, I love to ride motorcycle. You know, that seems to me to be a good way to get to know you in the technological world well, we live in. That was Babcock's excuse. Right. And, you know, and that could very well be when, hey, do you have kids? Oh, well, show me, show me a picture. I'd yeah. love to see it. Um, and, uh, and there have been reports more recently in the media of, of Mike Babcock and a softer side, but there have been many stories mm-hmm. uh, over the years of Mike Babcock and just the way that he operates. And, and a lot of it has to do with an intimidation factor, yeah. a bully-type atmosphere. Those rumors have circulated around him. Mike Commodore, a former player, has, has spoken about this um, a lot. Uh, Mike Medano, one who did not have kind words for Mike Babcock after Babcock scratched him in his second-last game in the league to make sure he wouldn't get to 1,500 yeah. career games. It's just such a petty move. And, and and so that kind of bully, I I can do it, I'm bigger than you. And so it, that when you think of it from that angle, mm. is this a boss and a bully just saying, show me your phone because I can see it. Right. You know, I, I, I have that right. I want that power over you. And maybe he's pulling that with the younger kids to kind of scare them, intimidate them, where you can't with the captain or the stud or the right. long-signed contract. Yeah, and, and these weren't. This wasn't a mass meeting of all the players either. Mm. These were kind of more individual or more intimate settings, uh, meetings than, than a whole room full of the people. Cause when I first heard it, I was like, okay, well, projecting it in front of the entire room is a little weird. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you had a meeting and everyone said, hey, bring a picture of your family, <laughs> or we had one the other day saying, hey, you know, we want to do something, we're, send us a high school picture. Mm-hmm. But that was send to us. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it wasn't a forcible thing. If you didn't want to do it, you didn't have to do it. Right. I just, you know what? It's funny. It's just the way time and cultures change. And the hockey world has always been very much a, well, predominantly white men, you know, gritty, tough guys, uh, man's man. And, and you look back at the history of coaches, and, and a lot of them, off the top of my head, I can only think of from Toronto, your Pat Quinns and your, you know, your Pat Burns. And although, funny enough, I believe, um, uh, Scotty Bowman, I think, just turned 90 recently, maybe. There's a guy who, talk about old school, but the most successful coach of all time. You never hear anybody say anything bad about him. But I just think there was this period of time where they were all grit. And I think that your Mike Babcocks would have been coming up the ranks and seeing that and seeing how they operate. And maybe he had a, a coach that he admired, but he saw that grittiness in that coach. So he's just taken that and he's run with it and he's having a hard time pivoting to work with younger players you must see it even in the uh with the generals and certainly a sheldon keith is a great example of a younger guy who connects maybe with the younger players because he's younger and he's understanding of mentally where they're at i remember roger nielsen way back in the 70s taking such heat not only from just harold ballard but other coaches because he was smart and sensitive Mm. you know he wasn't a tough guy he was an intellectual yeah. Who happened to be a very good hockey coach. Yeah. And and he was so outside the norm that, you know, that's why Ballard made ever made him try to wear a paper bag over his head to embarrass him. 
Yeah, I mean, the closest I've come to that in, in, in getting to know DJ Smith in Ottawa mm-hmm. is, is that, you know, in DJ says he, it, part of his job is also to be a therapist mm-hmm. in, in some senses too. You've got to understand your players, know that they're not robots and that there are other factors in their life that can influence their game and, mm-hmm. and, and letting them know there's an environment to feel free to speak up if there is that going safe. on. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that is where this made lies as a big difference here is that, you know, if players didn't feel safe to reveal that stuff to Mike Babcock. And it's not easy to do. This is their first meetings. Mm-hmm. He hasn't coached a game no. with them yet. Right. <laughs> Many of them, he's never coached them. Although you suspect if one of the players came in and he was coaching and they said, oh, my brain's elsewhere, my dog died. Right. You, you, don't, you don't sense from Mike Babcock that he would give a crap about that, whereas DJ Smith would... Have some compassion, to right? That. But uh, you know, and and was this Babcock trying to do that, or was he trying to be that bulldog instead right. of that? And so, you know, in the end, I, I guess the decision was made that all of this is just way too much uh, going on, and that perhaps he would have already lost the room mm. in a sense that he's lost the trust of many of the young players in that room. He might have still had some of veterans who who backed him, or this was a controversy that just wasn't going to go away. Anytime soon, so better get it nip the bud before it gets uh, you know into the season. And then I think too, like any business, this one is a, a you know very similar in that there's a s- select handful of different people who run the show, and so you hear a oh, new PD is coming in, and so these young guys in Columbus are like, oh, Mike Babcock's coming, and then they start talking to other people. And somebody's going to say, oh yeah, he's a nightmare. You're not going to like him at all. So already your mindset about Babcock is. Uh, my back's already up about this guy because I've heard some horrific things. <laughs> Can you imagine, though, if this was his attempt to just so- show a softer side? Right. I know. And it totally <laughs> flies just, in his face. And he just completely screwed yeah. it up. But listen, you know, it's funny. When we don't know something about someone, one of the first things we do is go to social media. Mm-hmm. You know, look them up. See if you can find a couple of, you know, are they married? Like, what's going on? Do they... Uh, and you're not supposed to do that, certainly when you're in a, in a position yeah. of, of, of seniority above them. Yeah, I wonder if his wife, wasn't there a story when he came to Toronto, she stayed in Michigan. So uh, I, I highly doubt that uh, at any time soon she was, you know, had the moving truck to go to Columbus. But <laughs> when he comes home and he's like, hey, five years, not in the NHL, landed a gig, isn't this great? Eight <laughs> weeks later, it's over. He's, he's fired out quicker, one of those cannons in Columbus. <laughs> With uh, the weekend having come and gone, did you try to get a little uh, action, a little leg over? Did it work or not work? Well, if it didn't work, bad breath might have been the problem. It is the number one mood killer in the sack. Ooh, yeah, I can see that. The halitosis is not good at the best of times, even with someone you love. Um, this uh, this study also looked at uh, about uh, the big O for women and things that prevent women and men from getting there. Because as we know, and I've said it before, everybody deserves their cookies in bed. You gotta be mm-hmm. a sharing lover. Right. Can't be greedy in the sack. Almost half of women say they faked it before, but a quarter of men say they have. I don't know about faking it. Sometimes you've had too much to drink and you're just kind of going right. and going <laughs> and going and then you're like, oh, forget it. I'm exhausted. Did you get yours? Good. I'm going to sleep. I thought men faked the other way. No, I haven't yet. <laughs> you must be just really excited. The uh, top mood killers that can lead to faking it are the bad breath, the position, the temperature of the room, the lighting, and just overthinking it. 
So if you want to get some help in that department, a little more foreplay, dim the lights. And the top things women want more of in bed include cuddling, kissing, romance, maybe a massage. Men want to see you strip. Guys would also like more kissing and just more boinking in general. Mm. I like a good make-out session. That's always fun. Right. That gets things going. Well, it's good when it leads somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Right. Otherwise, you're just <laughs> sitting there painful. Right. Well, and it would be very unfair. I mean, when you were a young guy, and that, like that was the most you were getting, you right. were just happy to be doing that. Mm-hmm. Well, necking session and a dry hump. That was... <laughs> Man, you were... a long, awkward walk home. Ted Reader, godfather of the grill, is on the line, fresh from his trip out east for the Mott's Clamato Caesar battle. And he's um, back behind the grill at Casa Reader. How are we, sir? Not too bad. Good morning, Craig. Good morning, Lucky. Morning, Teddy. You sobered up? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, I saw it. It's like five, five or six glorious Caesars all lined up that Ted had prepared for this battle. Um, did you consume all of them, or were you sharing with friends? Sharing with friends. Oh, good, sharing good, with good. friends, yeah. We were at the PEI Shellfish Festival, and it was good to see lots of friends and uh, had, a, had a fun time in the uh, Mott's Clamato Best Caesar in Town contest. Took third place. Okay. Uh, would like to have done better, but uh, you know what? Third's okay. It's respectable yep. and uh, pretty happy. So that's, uh, yeah, it was a good time. It was a good time. Now um, back to the grind. How many How many uh, competitors were there? Uh, we started out with seven. Okay. And it was, uh, you had a seven-minute round to prepare uh, three Caesars uh, for the judges. And uh, then you, and then I advanced to the finals, which was three of us, and uh, took third in that section. You had a 10-minute uh window and a black box with i think there were six different items in there that you had to utilize in your caesar Ooh. but uh yeah it was a good time it was a good time and we had fun. i mean you talk about this competition there but you had to qualify just to get to that correct yes i qualified uh for the ontario regionals and uh won the ontario regionals which got me uh two tickets to uh charlottetown it's a, it's a real passion in this country, the Caesar. I was just telling uh, Lucky before the news that uh, in 2010, Parliament even named the Caesar the official drink of Canada. And it really is a Canadian thing. Like in the U.S., it's the Bloody Mary. But it's not even a drink you'd find necessarily in Europe. But we are crazy passionate, so much so now, and much like your Caesar, it's it's become just a vessel for food. Like, you've got a beautiful, it's a cucumber uh, canoe stuffed with all sorts of seafood. Yeah, it was, uh, I did, I uh, hollowed out uh, some baby cucumbers and uh, stuffed them with a lobster salad topped with a raw oyster and a piece of fried clam. Uh, utilized uh, the things that were local to uh, to PEI. My first round I had done uh, in in PEI. I did uh, can't even remember what I did on there. There was there was uh, some grilled seared steak, and uh, we had a, a meat jello that was done from cow foot wow. and beef tendon and shredded tongue, uh, all gelatinized in beef stocks uh, with a reduction of clamato juice in there. So we had a we had a good time. It was uh, a lot of fun, a lot of work. <clears throat> you know, happy with the results. 
could have done better. I'll beat myself up so I can do it next year. <laughs> Ted, now, Craig's right. When you go to restaurants, everyone has a different kind of interpretation of the Caesar and what they're they're putting on and, and adding along with it. Is there a, a particularly a particular profile you go for when matching to uh, you know tomato and clam basically? Uh, yeah, you, you you think about the, the the flavor combinations that can work with it. Tomato goes across the board. You can utilize that anywhere. The clam in a clamato is not overpowering. It's kind of subtle in there, so you you build on those flavors. Um, a little combination of seafood uh, in my first one with the steak and the jello. I also had a uh, a, um, a crudo or a ceviche of fresh local scallop that was on top of it. So it, it, it you know, you, you build these flavor combinations. You know, people put ribs and burgers and a whole chicken <laughs> and a pizza on their Caesar. <laughs> right. Um, <clears throat> you really need to, to look at how do you build the flavor of the Caesar. Uh, I had a reduction of, I took eight liters of Clamato and boiled it down to one liter and had added in some beef tendon and cow foot into that reduction so that I got a beefier note into it to go with my garnish that had all those beef, but also I utilized the gelatin that's the natural gelatin in the tendon and the foot to um, give a different texture to my concentrated Clamato juice. So, you know, you can do... All kinds of different things um, with it, and and have fun with it. Really, you're allowed to, you know, the the clamato is the base, and then you build on it with your flavors and your your craziness yeah. as you wish. Yeah, right? no, I'm uh, I'm for me, uh, I do love a Caesar. I, I am a vodka Caesar guy. I know there's a lot of people who go to the gin uh, for their Caesar. I'm big on the spice, though. I like it to be spicy, so I always do like the horseradish going in. Certainly more Tabasco uh, than would be a normal and. and and, and some pickle juice. Uh, I've heard of that, where you tip in some pickle juice to give it some bite. Yeah, we use a little pickle juice uh, at the joint in mm-hmm. our Caesar there. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's I like a bit of horseradish in it. I like a lot of Worcestershire in mine when mm. I drink them. I like it, the, the Caesar to be black. Okay. Wow. Um, yeah, wow so there's lot. yeah there's there's a lot of Worcestershire in mine, and I like that that salt, and I like that that punch and the spice that comes from the Worcestershire. It's a great fall drink. Like it's, I find after I've played around a golf and I, and I come into the joint to order a Caesar, it's just something. Even though it's still a cold drink, there's something very warming about it. Well, I, I yeah I do yeah I can agree with that. I also think that Caesar is the best uh, hangover drink. Okay, I was gonna and say so, a lot of people you know, use it like that. It, it's a hangover cure for many, and I wondered if that's why all of this food and grease got added to the top <laughs> of it, just trying to cure that. Well, having a little bacon and eggs and uh, and, a, and a bloody Caesar always seems to help your uh, help a hangover. <laughs> yeah, that or a screwdriver. I find both of them work. All right, Teddy. Well, if people want to talk to you about Caesars or they want to come and try one at the joint, because what are we? Uh, we're heading into the fall, but you're still going to be open for some time, right? Yeah, we're still open. So Perfect. come on up to the joint. Uh, Friday nights, we still got live music. Bundle up if it's a little cool on the patio, or come on inside. Beautiful. Have some fun. And uh, and enjoy our tasty. That's it, man. It's going to be a good time. Yeah. And and this week, don't we have like rock your block? The last one. That's right. right. We're on Wednesday. Wednesday, we're off to Poshawa, my friend. 
Oshawa. Wow, that's going to be a journey from the joint. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful Poshawa, where only the beautiful people live. We will be there on Wednesday, and we will certainly see you, and we look forward to it, Ted. All right. All Cheers, right. boys. All right. Cheers. There he is, Ted Reader. He's the godfather of the grill. How's your work-life balance? Uh, it turns out, according to the Wall Street Journal, this might be uh, because of the pandemic and how it changed a lot of habits. But there was a time when there was a lot of uh, after-hours socializing, dinners with clients, happy hours with coworkers, mm. team-building events and parties. But it seems now, according to the Wall Street Journal, everyone just wants out the minute the workday ends. Complete shift since the pandemic. Yeah, we all just want to go home. Right. Or won't, or many don't ever want to go back to the office. Yeah, I don't want to leave the house at all. Which I really still, I, I have concerns about that. I mean, I know from a comfort uh, situation, I get it. You're in your own home. You're comfortable in your own home. You don't have to travel. You don't have to waste money on gas and car repairs and public transit. Mm. But I think there's something that's not healthy just hovering and hibernating in your house. Well, for sure. Yeah, lack of interaction. You've got to get out there and mix it up. So, yeah, we're uh, we're just not drawn to going for food and drink anymore like we used to after work. And I think oh. golf tournaments struggle with that, too, trying to get people to come out and, one, pay for a charity. Right. And, two, like it takes up. The whole day and into the evening. Yeah, I've seen that because you know, in many ways, golf was was spoiled by COVID in the sense that it was one of the few sports that could continue mm-hmm. uh, and be allowed to happen. And and two, it you know, it was just go play your round, take your meal to go, and you're done. And I think people realized well, a lot of these tournaments. You're taking up 10, 12 hours by the time it's all said and done because after the tournament, you stick around, there's auctions and meals. And that's, you know, the charities need to raise money. That's what they're trying to do and For sure. their opportunity to do it. But people now, and it's sad, you'll see the empty halls or half empty halls afterwards. And the food waste alone. Mm-hmm. You know, when you don't tell people you're not staying, they still make that meal for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've coughed up the dough. So, and and I I think just lifestyles have changed uh, from this article. Um, drinking is down amongst young people, and you know, look, there was a time like in Mad Men, you know, the '60s and '70s, where men would go to the office and they'd literally have booze in their office and they'd be drinking all day, every mm. day at work, and then they'd come home and have more. Well, we know, of course, drinking and driving is dead wrong, and you shouldn't be doing it. So you get in this weird spot, too, where you're at this golf tournament all day, and you've had a couple of few beers on the course, and now it's dinner, and they're serving wine. And you're like, well, I can't do this. i got to get home, you know. And and so it it, it all kind of flies in the face of how certainly young people want to operate their lives more now. Yeah, well, and and the other thing, you mentioned the lack of social interaction, but for many now, the main source of social interaction is the phone, mm-hmm. is is social media. And they consider that as much to be their social interaction as we would have considered going and meeting someone right. uh, and, and having a face-to-face conversation. It was so sad. We were on the hop-on, hop-off bus around Toronto Saturday. And just to look around, people have paid to get on this bus and see the city. They're on the, uh, you know, you can sit down below, but most want to be up top. It was a gorgeous day. You got all this stuff to see around the city. And again, you've paid to view this stuff. 
And most people, not all, but many, right down in their phone. Mm. There's buses going around Casa Loma and the CN Tower and, you, you know, the big duck. Yeah. Let's go see the big yellow duck. <laughs> Instead, they'd rather see the big yellow duck on their phone. Mm-hmm. They'd look at a photo that somebody else who was on the bus shared on Instagram right. of the big duck. Instead of just raising their head and look at the damn duck yourself. Rock Mornings with, with Craig, Craig Venn and Lucky. Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.